Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. Tech Guide. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. Tech Guide. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 213. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks for listening once again and thanks for downloading. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Welcome also to our first-time listeners. On this week's show, Telstra launches new home Wi-Fi technology. Speaking of Wi-Fi, is it something we really want when we fly? And Kobo unveils all an all-new Aura One e-reader. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a deep dive into the Samsung Galaxy Note 7. And we're also going to explore the incredible hidden features of that device as well. And we'll also take a look at the Cold Charge 3-in-1, the smartphone battery that fits on your keyring. And we're going to wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to sink our teeth into, so let's get cracking. Well, Telstra has come out with some new home Wi-Fi technology. But before I describe what that actually is, uh, I want to give the reasons why they're doing this. There, there's some research to suggest that our, our appetite for streaming content, on-demand content, is, has increased to the highest level it's ever been. In fact, Telstra says that more than about two-thirds of its fixed-line data is video. So all the data carried over Telstra's fixed networks, of all of that, two-thirds of that is video, which I I find uh, rather amazing. The reason for that is we're streaming things, uh, programs, content through things like uh, services like Netflix and Presto and Stan. And as a result, our attention to Wi-Fi and our requirements of Wi-Fi are greater than ever. Uh, and and so we're seeing uh, a lot of a lot of people checking, paying extra for a better modem, better router, so that they can have better coverage in their home to ensure streaming is is smooth, unbuffered. It, it allows enough bandwidth to stream 4K content uh, if possible. So there's never been more attention on our Wi-Fi networks, and and as a result, there there's a whole raft of products not only from Telstra, but from other companies like our sponsors, Netgear, have got uh, their new 802.11ac high-end modems, uh, Linksys. They're all, all these companies are putting out product. Now, Telstra, which is also a, an internet provider and a, and a supplier of, of their own modems to customers, has come up with this new Wi-Fi home technology through their Gateway Max 2. 
Now, what they're saying with this, they haven't actually described the technology, but they've described its capabilities. I suspect that what this is is a souped-up 802.11ac with extended range, uh, extended uh, increased speed, dual or tri-band router and modem in one to help you not only have a better quality network, but also a wider reaching network because we are streaming content outside our living room. People think that we just sit in our living room and look at this content, but that's not the case. Uh, Telstra's research suggests that outside the living room, other rooms like the bedroom, for example, is is we, we stream customers, 60% of customers stream content in the bedroom. 20% stream uh, in the kitchen, uh, out in the back out of the garden, another 17%. And even in the bathroom, there's 12% of people streaming content. They can't keep away from this content. It's got to be with them. And the, using not only your your TV to, to uh, access those services, we can do the same thing through our smartphones, through our tablets uh, and devices like that. So the importance of having... A, a solid Wi-Fi network to give you that platform so that these services are uninterrupted is Telstra's motivation behind this. I, I get so many questions when I'm on the radio or emails to me here at Tech Guide. People asking, oh, I can't get coverage in my bedroom. What do I do? The best solution, if you've already, if you're if you're happy with your existing modem router, is to get a range extender. You can extend the range of your network from the, its source. So, if, if say for example the, the the black spot is the bedroom, then a range extender placed halfway between the modem and the bedroom can extend that signal into the bedroom. A lot of people make the mistake of putting the range extender in the bedroom, expecting it to magically increase uh, the Wi-Fi strength. But if it needs to be placed in halfway between the router and the bedroom so that the range extender can act like an extension cord of the Wi-Fi network. It can piggyback that network and push it into that other space. But in Telstra's case, they're not only uh, unveiling this Gateway Max 2, they're also uh, they're also going to uh, announce some packages as well, some bundles, some home broadband bundles, which will include three months free subscription to video on demand services like Netflix, Presto, and Stan. Not not just one of those, all three of those is going to be included in the new home internet bundles. I think they're saying that the customers are to take up the new $90 medium plan and above will receive a Telstra TV, which is their little box that allows you to access all those uh, subscription video on demand services, as well as three month subscriptions to Netflix, Stan and Presto, which gives them access to more than 15,000 TV shows and movies they can watch at home or out and about on their smartphone or tablet. Uh, using not only Telstra's home network, but there's all, they've also got their national Wi-Fi network. So you can actually use your home Wi-Fi allowance in any of the Telstra Wi-Fi hotspots in Australia and around the world. That's an added bonus of being a Telstra customer. You can utilize your broadband connection or your broadband allowance anywhere in the world. 
If you want to read more about the Telstra announcement, their new Wi-Fi technology, and they're going to be announcing actual details on the bundles that, that, are, that are available, uh, the, the, the amount of data allowance you get per month, the costings, keep an eye on Tech Guide over the next couple of days, and we're going to, uh, we'll, we'll cover those announcements on the site as well. So just check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, while we're on the subject of Wi-Fi, I thought I would bring up a, a story that uh, that did the rounds last week about whether we want Wi-Fi on our on our flights on airplanes. Uh, and this is a, uh, of course in the home we can't do without it on the ground we can't do without our connectivity but in the air we've been so used to not having a connection that it's kind of turned into a little bit of a sanctuary people where, where people can literally disconnect from the world and enjoy the flight or do some work whatever they need to do they're not getting hassled they're not getting emails they're not getting calls it's become that little zone where you you're not going to be disturbed but a lot of passengers we've found, and this is according to Finder, the, the, uh, the comparison site, Finder, they're saying that seven in 10 Australians are looking for flights, would book a flight based on the availability of Wi-Fi, which is quite surprising. Now, we already know, and we've reported this on Tech Guide uh, earlier this year, that Qantas are going to roll out Wi-Fi on their domestic services, as is Virgin Australia. Now, providing Wi-Fi coverage domestically, so while flights, uh, 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 while planes are flying over Australia, it is it is easy to send the signal up from the ground and provide, and a combination of satellite coverage as well, to provide a fast enough service that will allow things like streaming, checking emails, surfing the web, things like that. Yet when you leave Australia, when, you, when you're flying internationally, you do rely more only on satellite coverage because, of course, you're flying over the ocean. There's not many. There's not many. Uh, there's not many modems on the on the surface of the ocean that can provide that kind of connection. So it's purely through the satellites. Now, according to Finders, uh, their, their their stats, some international carriers coming in and out of Australia are actually offering Wi-Fi. Airlines like Singapore Airlines, Etihad, Qatar, Japan Airlines, AirAsia, Thai Airways, Garuda, Delta, and these are all services that range from having free data to having quite costly data, which I'll go through in a moment. But 70% of Australians are willing to pay for Wi-Fi, and some and and those those same passengers will make a decision on whether they want to fly based on that availability of Wi-Fi. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I would love to have Wi-Fi on a flight because it would allow you to do things. I'd be able to update my website, check emails, uh, share things. Sometimes I need to get stuff out to people, uh, stories I'm writing for for different outlets. I, I can get them done, get them sent send out things, receive things, and continue to – I wouldn't kind of use it to stream content, things like that, because at the moment that the offerings are too slow. You can't get a Wi-Fi connection that's fast enough uh, in the air 
to give you that kind of bandwidth to watch Netflix or, or some some other of your your favourite subscription video on demand services. Now, some of some airlines actually offer free Wi-Fi. Uh, airlines like Emirates, for example, give you the first ten meg free on all their A380s and selected triple seven aircraft. Etihad has free Wi-Fi. The catch is though, you have to fly first class, so you've kind of paid for it anyway. Uh, other airlines like Garuda, again, free for first-class passengers. Philippine Airlines, you get the first 15 minutes or 15 meg free on their A330s and 777s. Uh, that's uh, only until the 28th of February next year. Swiss International Airlines give you the first the 500 meg for free, again, for first-class passengers. So it does pay to travel first-class. But there, there are airlines that charge you for Wi-Fi, and there are huge variations in the cost or the cost of this service. Emirates charge uh, on average a dollar forty-seven for two for uh, for for two hundred meg or eight hours. This is in Australian dollars of of coverage. Uh, and other airlines like China Airlines, for example, on, on average cost for two hundred meg nine dollars eleven cents. But going all the way up to other airlines like Alaskan Airlines, they're charging $21.44, uh, and, and a Russian airline is charging 400 It would work out to be $444 for 200 meg of data, whereas Oman Air, on the other extreme, charges only $2 per megabyte. So that's... Uh, actually, no, that, that's quite high as well. So the, the Russian the Russian charges of four forty four for two hundred meg uh, is about two dollars fifty per meg, and Oman Air is two dollars per meg as well. Uh, so they're both on the expensive side, uh, Emirates on the cheaper side, and those other airlines I mentioned offer services for free. Now I don't know if you want Wi-Fi in the air. Would you Would you choose an airline based on the availability of Wi-Fi? I'm in two minds here. I think I wouldn't pay. I'd only pay for Wi-Fi if I knew it was fast and I knew I was getting good value. I wouldn't pay for Wi-Fi if it's a small amount and it's painfully slow and it's basically you're paying $15 or 20 whatever the fee happens to be, to send and receive one email. That's how slow it is. The amount of data you use is so small. It's ridiculously expensive in most cases. So until they can give, provide a solution that gives super fast and super value for your Wi-Fi coverage, then I'd consider it, but uh, not, not if it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. If you want to read more about that story and finders' recommendations there, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, e-readers, I'm a big fan of e-readers. I love reading. I'm a, I'm a big fan of books. I still buy a lot of books, uh, but I still download a lot to my e-reader, and I, I take it uh, when I travel. It's just good to have a selection of books that uh, you, you can only lug around so many books on your travel. So when I travel, I tend to read just the Kindle or whatever e-reader I happen to be using. Uh, in this case, uh, one of the new devices that have been announced from Kobo is the Aura one. Now, this is an e-reader with a difference. It's got the biggest e-ink screen on the market. So traditionally, a Kindle and other rival e-readers have a screen of about six inches. But Kobo's Aura One has a screen about the size of a hardcover book. So uh, the page is about that size, 7.8 inches, 
e-ink, and that means less page turns. You can fit more text in the screen. means you've got to turn the page less. I know it's not a huge effort, but uh, anything to reduce that exercise uh, is, is helpful for the reader. So you fit more in on the page, and the screen, the resolution of the Kobo Aura 1 is, is absolutely paper-like. We're talking 300 PPI. That's pixels per inch. So you're getting print quality resolution, like you're reading a newspaper or a magazine or a printed book. So you do, uh, it does look look terrific you can choose of course your font sizes uh, you can choose your font styles the device itself ha- is just 6.9 millimeters thick weighs 226 grams and if that isn't handy enough it is also waterproof so there's no limit to where you can read your books whether you want to slip into a hot bath or maybe catch a couple of chapters while you're in the shower or by the pool don't forget we've got uh, the warmer months coming up and people love to read by the pool. Usually they read a book because they're scared if they take an e-reader, it's going to get wet, it's going to get damaged, it's going to be ruined. But not so with the Kobo Aura 1. It is completely waterproof. Another another advantage of the new device is, is the Comfort Light Pro. Now, this e-ink screen has its own light. But it's it has a, it's a light with a difference, and what this technology does, the Comfort Light Pro technology, the, it's what they call front light technology. It reduces the blue light exposure, so it reduces the blue light emission of the light. And what happens with blue light? It's been found to affect sleep quality. So you imagine the scenario where you want to read a little bit before you go to bed, which a lot of people do. Uh, one of the mo- more popular places to read is in bed before you go to sleep. So imagine if you've got a device, if you're reading off a, a, a backlit screen like an, a tablet or a smartphone, that's blue light coming at you and it could affect the quality of your sleep. So if you're reading just before you go to bed, you may not be able to have the best quality sleep. So what Kobo's done here is taken that blue light away, still giving you the light, but taking the blue light away so that it doesn't affect the quality of your slumber. So the Kobo Aura 1, uh, it's got 8 gig of storage as well under the hood. Can you believe that? 8 gig, yeah, that, that can store... 6,000 books. I don't think I could read 6,000 books in a lifetime, but they could all fit. If I could, they could all fit on the Kobo Aura 1, which I think is pretty cool. Under the hood, you've got 512 meg of RAM and the fast solo light processor. So it is it is pretty quick for an e-reader. Uh, the pages turn really fast and no mucking about. The Kobo.com store, of course, is where you can buy your books. There's more than 5 million titles, so you're never going to be short of a book and of course you can import your own epubs if you've bought them from somewhere else i think this is pretty open platform for that Uh, unlike the kindle the kindle doesn't allow you to do that the kindle's got its own little format for that Uh, but that's amazon's business the kobo aura one though it's going to be available in october and it's going to be priced at 349.95 and if you want to check that out for yourself you can do that at techguide.com.au this is tech guide with stephen fenning tech guide keeping you updated and educated the Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they've introduced the new Arlo Q. Arlo Q is an AC-powered 1080p high-definition camera with audio and enhanced night vision that lets you see 
and here in perfect detail. Arlo Q is designed to deliver the best experience indoors and it comes with two-way audio so you can listen and talk back from anywhere. That means you can pop in to see how things are going at home while you're out, while you're overseas, while you're interstate from anywhere through the companion app. Set motion alerts to let you know if anything moves and you can use seven days of free cloud encodings to store a video record of those events online. With Arlo, you've got every angle covered. If you want to find out more information, visit arlo.com forward slash au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. Well, it's hard to not include the product of the week, uh, product of the month, let's say, the Galaxy Note 7. This is Samsung's new flagship device. It was released on Friday and from all reports has had more pre-orders than any other Note product in the past. There were lines of people outside the Samsung stores, people picking up pre-orders, people hoping to to, uh, get one on a plan. Uh, And we've reviewed the device. We're going to talk uh, in depth about it. The next segment we're going to also dedicate to the Note 7, and it's all about the Note 7's hidden features. I think that needs its own little part of the podcast. So we're going to start with our general review, and we'll then talk about the hidden features a little later. But let's talk about the Note 7, the Galaxy Note 7. And I was in New York for the launch, so I've been using this device for a couple of weeks. And it is, uh, I think, the best phone that Samsung has produced. I'm a fan of the big screen, 5.7-inch screen. And it has a, it's got Super AMOLED display. It's got HDR on board as well, high dynamic range. So once content's available to stream in that quality, you are going to notice a difference. This screen is really going to pop. It looks great as it is. The colors really are bright and bold and and it just looks absolutely gorgeous. One of the best screens you'll see on a smartphone. Design-wise, they've they've done a really good job here with uh, what looks like an edge-to-edge screen. The edge, the screen slightly curves out to the edges, not quite as pronounced as the S7 edge, but not as flat as the S7. So it's a bit of a combination. Uh, and what that allows you to do, what that allows is that you're getting a large display, and the device itself isn't as big because there's no bezel around the edges, no not much of a frame around the display. So it actually fits in your hand really nicely. You can surprisingly still use it easily with one hand as well. There are other features we'll talk about later that helps with that. But for a big screen device, it certainly doesn't feel like a massive device. So design-wise, really big tick there. The curve on the front edge, on the front screen, is also reflected on the back panel. So it's actually got a symmetric design so it sits really beautifully in your hands uh, it, it is pretty thin pretty light that super AMOLED screen by the way is quad HD resolution of 2560 by 1440 with 518 ppi that's uh, pixels per inch 518 that is sharp enough for you to require to carry around a band-aid it's amazing and as I said the HDR compatibility as well also ticks the box there now one of the new features on board I thought we'd talk about straight away is the iris scanner this is the dedicated scanner on the left top 
of the device. So you've got your front camera, you've got a sensor, but on the left side of the, of the top of the screen is an iris scanner. And this scans your eyeballs, which is as unique as your fingerprints. So this is another level of security, and it is a way you can unlock the phone just by looking at it. Now, it's not as simple as that. And a lot of people say, well, why bother? I can just put my finger on the home button and it'll read my fingerprint and unlock it. Well, yeah, you can do that. Of course you can. What you'd need to do with the iris scanner is wake up the phone, swipe up on the screen, then it looks at your eyeballs. So it does take probably a second more than using your, your fingerprint. And it works most of the time. It didn't work all the time. It, there were some times where I was in bright light. I was underneath a light. Uh, it didn't quite see me properly. It would tell me to put it closer, put it further away, and would give up. But then a, 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 another attempt, it would unlock it. So I, I reckon 95% of the time worked almost instantly. would take less than a second to just go boom and be unlocked simply by me looking at it. If it didn't work, there's also always you can fall back on your fingerprint or your passcode. Now, another feature, and this is also secured with the iris scanner, is the secure folder. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in the in the hidden features part of the review. The, the, the major feature, of course, of the Note is the S Pen. This is the uh, a stylus, the pen that actually fits inside the device and allows you to write uh, take notes. Uh, use you can you can magnify parts of the display, even translate the, using the S Pen as well. And where you write your notes is also interesting. You can write on the lock screen. So if you've uh, if you your your phone is is locked, you simply pop out the S Pen and it will then give you that black screen to write with. So you can write a note. You can remind yourself that you need to buy milk or you need to ring your wife and buy her flowers or whatever you need to remind yourself about. You can then pin that note to the always on display. So you're not going to forget it. It's going to be there. So the reminder sits there. You're not going to forget it because every time you look at the phone, the always display that, that displays the time, there'll also be an icon to say that there's a note attached. So you can look at that note. Don't forget that note is there. You're not going to miss it. And, of course, you can take notes, regular notes, within the Notes app. You can also paint and draw. And this time out, the paints are actually like painting with real paint. So you can mix colors, and it looks like you're actually painting with real colors. So if you want to combine blue and yellow to get green, you can do that. Uh, Performance-wise, you're talking, this is probably the most powerful device they've created. It's got an octa-core processor, 4 gig of RAM, which is a lot, 64 gig of internal storage. It's running Android 6.0.1, so it's pretty snappy. And I think running a screen of that size uh, and giving you that, that uh, the, the multitasking abilities, which I'll talk about later as well, you do need a processor to drive that and to give you that nice smooth performance of the screen constantly, as well as opening and closing your apps and switching between them and having that at your fingertips. Camera-wise, you've got the same camera that you'll find on the S7 and the S7 Edge uh, with 12-megapixel resolution, dual-pixel sensor. It's got that brighter 1.7 lens that really draws, sucks in a lot of light. So in low-light situations, you'll be surprised how how bright and, and vibrant those pictures can still be. 
uh, pictures. That's what I liked about it. You take pictures really quickly. They focus in a split second. You can then snap off your photos whenever you need them. You're not going to miss a thing. On the video side, you can also shoot in 4K. Uh, and and that, that's that's good to know, having uh, the ability to shoot in 4K, the added memory that's on board, there's 64 gig on board the device. And if you pre-ordered the Note 7, you'll also get the 256 gig uh, micro SD card. So that's 320 gig all up, which is huge storage. So if you have pre-ordered, I'm sure that you're enjoying your 256 gig micro SD card as well as that. Uh, that storage is pretty cool, and you can store pictures, videos, those 4K videos we mentioned, they take up a bit of space. Uh, that's all pretty good. And on top of all that, it is waterproof. This has got an IP68 rating. It can handle the dust, can handle the dirt, can stay underwater at a depth of 1.5 metres for 30 minutes, which is pretty impressive. The S Pen is also waterproof. can even work underwater. You can write on the screen underwater. So uh, <laughs> if, that's, if that's something you want to do, you know it's possible. But it, is really, it does really give you peace of mind to know that if you spill a drink on this, drop it in the toilet, drop it in the sink, uh, these, are common, these are common accidents. The, S, the Note 7 will go on without missing a beat. One other thing, too, I should point out, why is it called the Note 7 when last year's device was the Note 5? Well, what Samsung wanted to do, they're pretty open about this, they decided to skip six. They went straight to seven because that is the current uh, version of phones that are on the market. There's the S7, the S7 Edge, and now the Note 7, so that the portfolio is symmetrical, all all sevens. And next year they'll be all eights. So they've they've caught up. So they've kind of done a Windows here, where they've gone from eight Windows. Microsoft went from Windows eight to ten. They've skipped nine. Samsung have done the same. They've skipped six, gone straight to seven. But that's the reason. Now, battery-wise, there's a 35 milliamp-hour battery on board. For our review, we got through a full day. We, we took this off the charger at, say, at 8 o'clock in the morning. By 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I still had half the battery left, 50%. Got me through the night into the next day, had to recharge. The beauty of the recharging on the Note 7 is it's fast. The fast charging means that you can get in less than 90 minutes, you can be fully recharged and on your way. And even if you wanted to say, put it on the charge for half an hour, that can get you up to like about 60 or 70%, which is enough for the night. If you're going out, you're not going to be near a power point or you don't have a battery, that's a pretty cool way of getting your charge and still heading out. Also, there's a USB-C port now there's no micro USB anymore, USB-C port. Don't worry, there is an adapter in the box uh, so that you're not going to be left high and dry with your old accessories. They're all still there, ready to use. The Galaxy Note 7, I've got to say, one of my favorite devices so far. I've been using this for a while, uh, and I, I quite enjoy it. All, all the, the experience of having the S Pen, the speed, uh, the, the fact that it's waterproof, uh, the iris scan is pretty cool. It's a bit like James Bond, the iris scan, a bit Mission Impossible. I think it's all a bit, a, a bit of fun. A lot of people might say, ah, it's a gimmick. Well, you know what? It works. Uh, it works well, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's imitated by other phone manufacturers as well. If you want to read our full review, you can do that at techguide.com.au. But in the meantime, stay tuned. We're going to talk about the Galaxy Note 7's hidden features.
Now, we're still on the subject of the Note 7. I think with such a big release as this, it does deserve a couple of segments in the podcast. It is, and I've got to say, I really like it. Check out my review. I've given it a decent rating. So uh, read read that detailed review on Tech Guide. But part of our coverage has been exploring the hidden features of the Galaxy Note 7, which uh, I, I find really interesting. There's a lot of the top-line features that companies talk about, and Apple does this too. There's plenty of hidden features of the iPhones, and I'm sure when the iPhone 7 comes out in a couple of months, we're going to see the exact same thing. But in the case of the Note 7, there are some interesting, very interesting hidden features. Now, I did touch on the secure folder in the in the previous segment. But what the secure folder does, it allows you to partition off this section of your phone that only you can see with files, photos, all these things. It also allows you to put apps in there. So if you wanted to take photos, for example, so you can put the camera app in there, you take photos from the secure folder with the camera app, those pictures can only be seen in the secure folder. It's not going to go to your camera roll, your gallery that's in the non-secure part of the phone. It's going to go in the secure folder. Same thing for your browser. You might put an internet browser in there or an email, an email account. And all of that, all of the sites you visit, any information you see is stuck in the secure folder, can only be viewed within the secure folder. Same thing for your email, same thing for your notes. You can put Samsung notes in there, you can put a gallery in there, contacts in there. So it does secure that part of your phone. Uh, and it, it could be unlocked using the iris scanner or a fingerprint. So it's a secure folder within a secure phone. Look, unless you know the password of your phone, uh, you can't get in. So this is a that's pretty secure to start with, but uh, there may be times where you've given your phone to someone, your child or a friend, and want to look, and you don't want them seeing everything. You might you don't want them to see your passport or or other private files. So that gives you an area where you can do that. The secure folder that is one of the new features of the uh, the Note Seven, a hidden feature of the Note Seven. I mentioned the USB C adapter. Look cl- look closely in the box if you've bought a Note Seven, and of course got USB C, but you might have a, an old USB a micro USB connect or accessory you can there is an adapter in the box it's pretty small you may miss it it is down the bottom there the micro usb to usb c adapter now i mentioned in the review that it was really easy to use the note 7 one-handed there are a couple of features to help you do that and funny enough it's called one-handed operation Uh, and there's a couple of ways you can do this first is one-handed input So by this, we mean you can adjust the size and position of the keyboard or a keypad uh, and position it on the right side of the device and the left side of the device. So it is is small enough for you to reach with one hand. So your thumb can reach all the way across and reach all the keys, all the numbers, and that helps you with that one-handed operation. Uh, There's also one-handed input as well. So that, or, or, or sorry, it, it, there's a reduced screen size as well, so that you can access all the app icons or an app you may be using. You can again reduce it. It sort of brings the screen that down into a corner of the of the Note 7's display, and then you can position it left side, right side, and then use that one thumb to navigate all of it. Now, power saving modes. This is the battery's already good, but you can make it better with these power saving modes. They're in. They've. Been 
they're, they're buried in the fee, in the settings. So you get a settings, device management, and then there's a, a section for battery. And this allows you multi, uh, there's a couple of power saving modes. And how it saves power is by limiting the maximum brightness, bringing down the screen resolution, uh, limiting the device performance like CPU speeds and things like that, prevents background updates. So that can add a, a, like two to four hours of battery life depending on the type of battery mode you want to use. Again, that's in settings, device management, and then under the heading of battery. Now, we mentioned blue lights in the, uh, the segment about the Kobo Aura 1. Again, the Note 7 allows you to filter that blue light uh, in the settings. So you go to settings, to display, blue light filter. You can flick it on, and you'll see the, sc- the color of the screen actually change. So it takes all the blue light out. And again, if, you want, if this is affecting your sleep or making, maybe making your eyes sore, that's another con- uh, result of blue light out of a display can, can give you fatigue in the eyes. You can choose to turn the blue light filter on and get rid of that blue light and feel a lot better. Fast camera access. Now, accessing the camera when you want to take a quick photo uh, is really simple. You can set that up in the advanced, so settings, advanced features, quick launch camera. Once you flick that button, all you need to do to activate your camera is double tap on the home screen and boom, the camera launches automatically. Now, another interesting feature is the is identifying unsaved numbers. Now, Samsung has actually created a scenario here where you can choose to share your name or other people share their name and number with the Samsung servers. So if you if someone you receive a call or you call someone and you're registered, they'll see your name as well as your number. So uh, whenever you call or message, if that's something you want to do. You can also use two apps at once. There is a way to split the screen. If you uh, if you go to the recent apps button to the left of the home screen, you'll see all the recent apps you've used. And the ones you can use in split screen, you'll see uh, two small rectangles on the uh, on the, the name of the bar of the, of the app. Once you hit that, it'll be positioned in the top half of the screen. Bottom half of the screen will be taken up by all these app icons where you can choose to to use another app in the bottom half as well. Lastly, auto restart. That's a handy feature because let's face it, a smartphone's like a computer and occasionally it does need a reboot from time to time and you can automatically set that restart uh, for yourself. So you can choose your day, you choose your time and it will do that. My recommendation is set it for the middle of the night. It'll only do it when there's the screen's off, the device is not in use, and there's more than 30% battery power. You can access that by going to Settings, Cloud and Accounts, Backup and Reset, Auto Restart. And if don't worry if you, if you didn't get all that. I have put it all down. Uh, you can read all about those special features and how to activate them yourself at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Our last review for the show is the Cold Charge 3-in-1 Power Bank. Now, this is a device that is small enough to fit on your keyring. It's actually three things in once. Number one, it's a battery for your phone. Number two, it's a data cable. Number three, it's also a charging cable. 
So when you see the device, there is a, either a lightning connector or a micro USB, depending on the one you can you choose. So lightning is for iPhones and iPads. Micro USB is for Android and Windows smartphones. And when connected to your smartphone and press the button on the front, uh, you're going to get a charge. It's got a 1,000 milliamp hour battery on board. Not quite enough to recharge your whole phone, but enough to give you a nice top-up to get you going for at least another few hours before you run out of battery. Now, what you'll also see is a USB connector in the top panel as well. Now, that detaches, and if you can connect that end to a computer, the other end to your device, and you can either use it to transfer content or data or use it as a charging cable. So say you've got your laptop out and you've got your cold charge on your key ring, you can unfold the USB connector, one end in, the, in your smartphone, the other end in the computer, you can get a charge. Or you can connect it to a charger. There may be a, an AC adapter with a USB port or a, a power board with a USB port. You can chuck that in there and the USB uh, port will transfer that uh, to charge into your device. Uh, when it's connected, there is a button so that you can choose to be charging or just transferring data depending on what you want to do. Uh, and it, it, it's a very handy to have that. And you think about it, it fits on your key ring. So you're going to take it with you anywhere. If you've got your car keys or your house keys, you can put the cold charge 3-in-1 on that set of key rings and you'll have that charge by your side. The alternative is carrying a larger battery, which granted will give you more charge, probably recharge your whole device uh, from or to back to 100%. But you've got to lug around a product that's the size of a phone. So it's like carrying two phones around with you. So that's just... Uh, this, I think the cold charge is a handy uh, alternative to keeping charged on the move. The cold charge 3-in-1, available now. It's $37.95 for the Lightning version, $35 for the micro USB version, and it's available from simtechtech.com. And don't worry, I have put that link in our complete review, which you can find at techguide.com.au. <music> The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, while public Wi-Fi at airports and hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, like passwords, photos, credit card details, all that can be exposed to hackers and identity thieves. Well, Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it, can be in- so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, you can keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search, search for Norton Wi-Fi privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Now, I did receive an email about uh, a NAS, a network attached store, uh, network attached server, and its advantages. It's better. Is it better than just having an attached hard drive and, and uh, it, within your home? Uh, is it better than just carrying around a hard drive? Well, network attached storage has several advantages. One is storage space. You can ha- have all this extra storage. You can put in. Uh, it's adjustable with the number of hard drives you want to insert. It, it is a really efficient way to transfer 
transfer data within your network. It also gives you a way to back up your file so you can set it up uh, in what they call a RAID uh, configuration where you can have a backup uh, and and then another backup of that backup. So in case one thing goes wrong, there are companies and small businesses that have two to three backups of their data just in case. So they all, they've got all these redundancies. And it, it is a really handy thing to have attached to your network because not only can you access content from within your network, not only from computers, but also from smartphones and tablets, even through your television, because it's it's on the network and, and it allows you, that brings all that content you've stored on board, it, it makes it visible to all the other devices in the network. So say you've got a, a network attached server and there's several laptops in the house, then they can, they can look for that server on the network, find it, it's often password protected, get into it, access the data, and not only from within your network, but also uh, if you can you can look uh, into, you can log into the server from anywhere in the world as long as you've got your password and you can enter that and, and then access documents, access content that you wouldn't normally be able to access if you weren't in your network or looking at, at one particular attached hard drive. Because it's ne- attached to your network, it does give it that accessibility. So I think a great idea to have a NAS in your your home, especially you've got things like you've got a music collection or a lot of movies, uh, uh, photos that you want to be able to share uh, on the network. Anyone can have access to them. Uh, the network attached server is a great way to do it. And we've written about plenty of network attached servers uh, on Tech Guide in the past. You can check them out at techguide.com.au. And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about, of course, at techguide.com.au. And please get in touch. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. Big shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. It's been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week for Episode 214. But until then, stay safe and stay connected.